Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. Uh, In his book, Epic, uh, John Eldridge writes that for many of us, uh, life feels sometimes like a movie that you've walked into 45 minutes late. Something important seems to be happening, but you're not exactly sure what the storyline is. Um, he talks about the, the idea that, uh, that we find ourselves in the middle of a story that is sometimes wonderful, sometimes awful, often a confusing mixture of both, and we don't have a clue how to make sense of it all. Anybody ever felt like that sometimes? Yeah, maybe you find yourself in a difficult situation or, or a personal struggle or, or circumstances that just seem so overwhelming, and you kind of wonder to yourself, what is going on? Why, why is this so difficult? Why can't I, why can't I seem to deal with this? And, and it might be a, uh, that you, you just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again or making the same poor choices or kind of gripped into the, that same habit. And no matter how hard you try, you just don't seem to be able to make any progress. You ever felt like any of that? Because if you have, good news for you today, you are not alone. <laughs> And not only are you not alone, but there is some answers to those questions. And it has to do with this whole idea of being the church. That's what for the last 10 weeks we have been doing. We've been going through uh, the book of Ephesians in the New Testament. Um, And really what it is, as I've said each week, is it's really, it's just a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul to a church in the city of Ephesus. And the emphasis through this whole thing is two things. That first, we in Christ, if anyone is put their faith in Jesus Christ, two things happen. The first is you are given a new identity. You are now in Christ. And what that does is that solidifies your relationship with God, the the vertical relationship, if you will. But along with a new identity, you're also given a new community, which is called the church. And that's the horizontal relationship. And really, that's the essence of the whole letter is how to live as one in Christ and how to live together as the church. Because what he says is it's through the church that God is doing his work in this world in our day. That it's through you, it's through me, it's through us together, the church, that God is accomplishing his work in this world. That's why it's so important that we know what it means to be the church. And one of the things that he comes through when all of this, not only corporately together, but individually, in all of your struggles and all that we go through, he says, you do not have enough strength to do this on your own. That's why you are a part of something bigger than yourself. But even together, we do not have the strength in ourselves to accomplish all that it means to be the church, to accomplish the work that God has given us to do. So in being the church and being in Christ, he says, Here's one last thing you need to know. And this is how he wraps up the letter. If you want to turn there, it's Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start in verse 10. He says, okay, now after I've told you all of these things, here's the way he ends it. Finally, he says in verse 10, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can make your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, 
with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. What he's saying at the end of this whole letter is, listen, those questions that you have, that wondering about why things are so hard, that's very, very real. And the struggles that you go through and the struggle you might be facing today, that's very, very real. And the habit that you just don't seem to be able to break, that's real too. But, he says, you're not strong enough on your own to deal with it. What you need is a greater source of strength. That all of your struggles and all of that that goes on in your life and dealing with all of life, it comes from a higher power. It comes from a greater source of strength. If we're going to do this on our own, we're not going to make it. If we're, not going to, if we're going to even try to do this together on our own, we are not going to make it. We need a higher power, and that's what he's talking about. So today, as we wrap up this whole series on being the church, we're going to talk about being strong and some just some real good practical advice for all of that. And here what, here's what it starts with. If you're going to grow and become strong in your faith, strong in the Lord, you're going to be able, you better expect opposition. Just know that that's going to be the case. Expect opposition because you and I are involved in a struggle. This is what he says. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. What he's saying is you need to know the enemy. And the enemy, the enemy, by the way, the enemy is not Starbucks and their red cups without Christmas decorations on them. Let me just say that, okay? That is not the enemy. The enemy, the enemy is not. Every Christmas we go through this. and Christianity is under attack because people want to take the Christ out of Christmas. That is not the battle, folks. That is not the battle. The, the enemy is not people who want to take the Ten Commandments out of the courthouses of the United States, okay? The battle is not people who want to take in God we trust off the dollar bill. That is not the battle. The, in fact, the, battle, the, the fight is not against people. And he says the enemy, that's not, when we get caught up in that kind of stuff, that is just a silly distraction. And what it does is it trivializes the real battle that is going on, the real struggle that we face. And quite frankly, it makes us look foolish. It makes us look foolish to those who don't know the power of God. We get caught up in these stupid little things, and it trivializes the real battle. He says, here's the real battle. The battle we fight is against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It is a cosmic battle that's happening on the, in the unseen realms. It is not people. In fact, the battlefield is for the hearts and souls of men and women and children. That's the battle that's going on. And the enemy is not other people. The enemy is the spiritual forces and the evil in the heavenly realms. Now, it's easy to recognize evil when we see it on a grand scale. 
See, when we see terrorist attacks and suicide bombers and inhumanity that men do to men and women to women, when we see that on the large scale, it's real easy to recognize evil. But what you need to understand is on a micro level, that battle goes on each ins- inside each and every one of us. In our struggles with those bad habits, that's a spiritual battle. In our struggle um, with, with pain, with doubt, with all these other things, that's a spiritual battle. He says, that's the enemy. That's where the battle is taking place. And so he says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Yes, there really is a devil. C.S. Lewis wrote a book a number of years ago, I believe it was back in the 40s, called The Screw Tape Letters. If you want to get an idea of how Satan works, I highly recommend this book. He wrote it kind of a, um, as an analogy, and it's, it's, the story is Screw Tape is one of the head demons, okay? And he's got a nephew named Wormwood who is an apprentice, and he is schooling him on the fine art of demonic work, okay? And, 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 and he gives him all these pointers. But at the beginning of this book, in the introduction to the book, he says, there are two great errors that we make when it comes to Satan. The one is that we, we disbelieve him, that, that we make him to be some cartoonish figure, you know, with cloven hoofs and horns and a pitchfork, and, and he's just a clown. And, and we, we, build up, we don't believe in him at all, and we just, and we kind of say, you really believe in that kind of stuff? That's just ancient mythology. What are you, crazy? The other extreme, he says, on the other end, the other great error is we give him too much credit. And we walk around in fear of him. What scripture clearly teaches is that we have an enemy, Satan. And he is battling for your soul. He's battling for my soul. And you cannot assess the problem of evil in this world without taking into account Satan and sin. That's the root of the problem. And, and we're given all kinds of descriptions in the Bible as to what he op- how he operates and what are the tools of the trade. He is called the tempter. He is called the accuser. He is called the deceiver, the father of lies. He is called the devourer or the destroyer. Those are the tools of his trade. Fortunately, fortunately, we too have been given some tools to battle against him. And that's what Paul goes on and talks about. You make use of God's resources. God has equipped you with all that you need to do battle against him. See, here's something else you need to understand. Satan is real, but he is not God's equal. He is not God's equal. He is a created being. He is not omnipotent. He is not omniscient. He is none of those things that God is. He is not the dark side of the force that is equal against the the good side of the force, okay? He is, in fact, he is a defeated enemy. The decisive battle, the decisive battle was won some 2,000 years ago. That is what Christ did on the cross, when he gave his life in sacrifice for your sin and mine, when he overcame death, sin, and hell, and all that Satan could do by resurrecting from the grave, that battle, that decisive battle has been fought. Now he is a defeated enemy just kicking and scratching to stay afloat. And he wages that battle in your life and in mine. And the way that we battle against him is by being equipped to do it. He says, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Now, what he's saying is, listen, a soldier would not go into battle wearing a T-shirt, shorts, and flip-flops, okay? That's just not equipped to do the job. A policeman would not go out on duty without his holster and his belt and his bulletproof vest and all that other equipment, 
He says, you should not go into your life and into this battle that you wage against Satan unprepared. So he says, this is what you need. He says, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now, okay, he is using imagery from the first century. So you got to kind of think of a, of a Roman centurion, okay? If you can remember, if you ever saw the movie The 300 or Gladiator or one of those, okay, that's kind of the picture you have to give. Because we use some of these terms and go, I don't even know what that is. He talks about um, the belt of truth. Now, for them, um, that was what held everything together. Um, you might think of it in modern terms like it's the utility belt or the duty belt that a, that a policeman would wear. It has, you know, the holster, it's got the, the uh, baton, it's got the, the spray mace, it's got the handcuffs, it's got, you know, it's got all the equipment that he needs to do his job. He says, that's the belt of truth. And then what is that? That is to do, to, to, to fight against the, the lies and the deception of the enemy. Because that's what we're told. He is a deceiver. He is the father of lies. And that's how he attacks us. He gets us to question the truth of what God says is real. He get, if you think all the way back to the creation story in the garden, that was the first form of temptation. He came to Eve and he said, the very first thing he said, did God really say you shouldn't eat from that tree? Question. No, no, no. God's holding out on you. See, he knows that if you eat from that tree, then you will be like him. And he's trying to hold you back from that. God is holding up all these rules, all these, everything that God says, that's because he's just trying to keep you down. And what he's doing is he's causing, call, calling us to call, to call into question the truth of God's word. And, and that's how he starts. That, that, we, that we begin to think, you know what, you, you, you could do better than following God's word. You know how the world works. You know how to get what you want in this world. So you just got to go out and do it. You got to take care of yourself because God, he's not going to take care of you. He doesn't really care about you. Those are the lies and the way that you combat that is you know the truth. The only way to combat lies is with the truth. It starts right there. And then the breastplate of righteousness. Now, righteousness is one of those Bible terms that nobody knows really what it means. So let me kind of give you the best explanation is simple. Right wiseness. To know what is right and what is wrong. To be wise in rightness. That's essentially what righteousness means. And he says, he calls it a breastplate. Now, again, kind of think of a policeman with the bulletproof vest, okay? It's to protect the vital organs, particularly your heart. Because the Bible says, guard your heart because it is the wellspring of your life. So it needs protection. He calls it the breastplate of righteousness. You need to know and be clear about what is right and what is wrong. Because see, that's what the temptation comes. Satan starts first with the questioning and the lies. And gets us to doubt the truth about what God says about us. Then what he does is then he starts to tempt us in a way that we would, we would choose to satisfy our appetites while violating our values. And that's really what the temptation is. Is to pursue and fulfill an appetite in a way that is against our, our values. And that's a temptation. To just, yeah, just, hey, it's not going to hurt. It's just a little thing. Not that big a deal. And the way that you fight that is, you need to be real clear about what's right and what's wrong. And be right wise. 
And then he goes on, he calls it, being your feet fit with the gospel of peace. Now, that's where our standing comes from. Our standing before God comes from the gospel. The gospel is simply this, that Christ did for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. And our right standing with him is in Christ. It's because of what Christ did for us. And that is our only means of right standing before God. And the reason that's so important is, is because this is what Satan does. He starts with the lies, which leads to the temptation. And if we fail the temptation, the next thing he does is he piles on the accusations because he's the accuser. See, and he says, he whispers. It's those, it's those subtle whisperings that you hear. How can you who, do you, who do you think you are? What makes you think God could possibly love you? Look at you failed again. You failed at this every single time. You are such a loser. You are such a failure. Why would God possibly want to forgive you when you know you're going to do this all over again? It's all of those accusations. He just piles on top. That's what it is. He piles one thing on top of another on top of another. And the way that you combat that is you understand. No, my standing with God is because of the gospel. That I am not going to be in myself strong enough. I can't undo my past, but there is always forgiveness. There is always reconciliation. There is always that available, and it has always been only because of what Christ did for me. So when Satan tries to accuse me and say, you are not worth God's love, God says, I loved you with an everlasting love. When, when the whispers come, how can you call yourself a Christ follower when you keep failing? He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. See, that's how you battle those accusations. When you pray for forgiveness and you still don't feel like you're forgiven. And so you feel like you got to pray harder or pray it a certain way or somehow really show God that you mean it this time and you're asking for forgiveness. That is all the work of the enemy. It's the accusations that piles on the guilt. Now, yes, when we are guilty, the Holy Spirit convicts. But when the Holy Spirit convicts us of guilt, it's so that we can be restored, not so that we are condemned. Satan does it to condemn it. By the way, he says, this gospel that we have is the gospel of peace. It's the gospel of reconciliation, which means be strong in the Lord, but don't be militant. <laughs> right? that heated arguments and vicious debates is not where the strength of the gospel lies. The gospel is a gospel of peace. Next. Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. The shield of faith, okay? The shield of faith, is that's what combats all of those accusations. That's what protects you from all of those doubts, all of those questionings, all of the pain, all, all the stuff that, that Satan hurls at you. And, and by the way, it, if you're thinking of shield, don't think about that little round one that just you know, goes like this. Okay, the one that he's referring to, the, the term that he uses is, is a Roman, it's the big shield. It's the big, if you've seen the gladiator movies and that kind of, it's the, it's the four foot tall by two foot wide one that they hold up and it protects the whole body. Okay, and it actually, it actually has an interlocking piece to it. Now, they would know that, we don't, but what they could do is they could interlock all of their shields, one into one, and then the next one, and the next one, and together, they would, just, it was like an, they would just go right down on the enemy lines, like an armored tank. And, and by the way, every one of these imperatives are all in the plural. These are not things that you're going to do on your own. This is when we stand together. And that big shield would often uh, was, uh, had a leather coating over a, a wood um, structure, 
And that could be drenched. It could be um, soaked so that when those flaming arrows came, not only would they be stuck in the shield, but they would be put out. He's saying, that's it. It's your shield of faith. Now, the faith is not how good you are at, at having faith. It's who you put your faith in. It's in God's faithfulness. It is a confident assurance that what God says is true really is true. That the way that he says things are is really the way things are. And that he is there in every step of the way. And that you can trust him. The strength of your faith is not in your ability to conjure it up. The strength of your faith is who you put your faith in. And that's what he's saying. He goes on. Talks about the helmet of salvation. He says, protect your head. Okay? Now, these days in, in sports, um, now they've come up with all kinds of concussion protocols now. Because they've really, it used to be back in the day, you know, guy would get his bell rung, just stand right up, shake it off, and get back in the huddle. Okay? And now we realize, okay, repeated blows to the head, that'll do some serious damage. And so now they've got a whole uh, concussion protocol. If someone seems to get dinged, they pull him out for a few plays, make sure he's okay before he can go back in the game. Okay? This is the same kind of thing. Listen, if you keep taking blows to your head, it's going to do some damage. So you need to protect your head. It all has to do with the way that you think. Thinking clearly and understanding God's word. And he says, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. If you remember the temptation stories of Jesus, when he'd spent 40 days out in the wilderness and Satan came, the tempter came and started tempting him. The way that he defeated the enemy was always through scripture. When Satan came with the temptation, Jesus said, it is written. When he came with another one, he said, it is written. He came with a third one. It is written. See, you need to become a student of scripture. You need to understand God's word and all that is in there for you. And there are so many resources for us. You don't have to go out and buy a $50, you know, 10 pound Bible. If you've got a tablet, if you've got a smartphone, there is a, there's an app called version. And it has just about every version of the Bible, modern translations, old King James, whatever you want. And it's a free app. You can have the Bible right there on your smartphone. And, and in there, any kind of translation, find a translation that is very easily understandable to you and just read it. Get to know what God says in his word. It's why we teach from scripture here on our Sunday mornings and in our classes, okay? Because you need to know the word of God. And by the way, a 25 to 30 minute lecture once a week is not going to do it for you. It's not going to do it for you. We encourage you to get in a community group because in community groups, you learn how to study the Bible for yourself. We have our Northgate U classes so you can take some in-depth teaching through a a book of the Bible or some theology or, or just life application kind of what the Bible says about this or that. But make use of those things. Bathe yourself in Scripture. Read it. Meditate on it. Think about what you read. Memorize it. It is a source of strength. It is, it is one of your most important weapons. And you need to be able to know how to do it. And then the last thing is, then rely on God's empowerment. Because it's one thing to have all the equipment. It's another thing to know how to use it. Right? It's one thing to have all of these weapons at your disposal. It's another thing to have the strength to utilize them. And that's where prayer comes in. He says, listen, your ultimate source of strength is going to be God. Be strong in the Lord, he says, and in his mighty power. Satan can tempt. Satan can accuse. Satan can try to deceive and destroy. 
but he cannot win. Ultimately, he cannot win because we have been given not only the weapons, but the strength and power to use them. He goes on, he says, so pray in the spirit on all occasions. This is where it comes. It's in prayer. Pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Look at how many times he says all, all, all. All prayer, all kinds of prayer, all occasions for all people, always praying. That is your source of strength. Too often we use prayer as the last resort. We do everything we can and then we get them, then we finally pray. That shouldn't be our last resort. It is our source of strength. Now, I will admit, one of my biggest problems is I am a doer, okay? I just want to do. I just want to get out and do something, find something, do something, you know? Even if it's wrong, just do something kind of a thing. I, I, I got my bachelor's degree, and a lot of my friends were going on to seminary to get their MDiv and all that. I didn't want any more schooling. I wanted to get out and do it. So I just went right. I got a position as a youth pastor, and, and it was just on from there. I just kept going because I'm a doer, I'm a doer, I'm a doer. And, and about... 26, 27 years ago, when we first started thinking about this idea of planting this church here in Benicia called Northgate, um, I wanted to know how to do it. And so actually Fuller um, Church Growth Institute had weekend seminars for people who were interested in knowing, because I had no idea, how do you start a church I don't, from scratch? I didn't know what to do. So here was a seminar. I thought, I'll sign up for that. I went to the seminar. I thought, okay, here I'm going to learn how to do it, how to do it, how to plant a church. And the very first thing they said to us, listen, before we go through any of this material, here's the very first thing you need to do. You need to surround yourself with people who will pray for you. Because you're not going to do this in your own strength. This is going to be a battle. And you're going to feel like you are in the middle of warfare sometimes. You need people praying for you. So I went through the seminar. I got all the good information. There was a lot of really good information. But I got home, and the very first thing I did is I went and found three or four different guys in our church, men that I looked up to, people that I respected, people I knew would be faithful, and I just said, I need you to pray for me. And they did. They made a commitment. said, I will be one of your prayer partners. I will pray for you every day. And they did. And there were times that it felt, I felt totally defeated. There were times when I felt like I, this, I, this is never going to happen but I knew there were people praying for me. And there was a source of strength there. And we would go back from time to time either to go visit our home church um, or we would go back maybe for a wedding or, or a funeral where I would see these people. In fact, one of my prayer warriors, his name is Frank Klass, passed away now. Last time I saw him, we'd gone back to visit. He was weakened. He was in a wheelchair. And he had kind of a lap um, blanket on him and he had a hat on to, just because he couldn't keep heat in him and I saw him and he saw me and he was really frail just really frail he looked at me and said I'm still praying for you every day every day and when he passed away I lost a great source of strength because we are engaged in a battle and the enemy is not other people It is going on on an unseen realm. And Satan has all of these weapons at his disposal, but God has given us everything we need to do battle against him. 
And prayer is the source of strength for it all. That's why Paul writes, he says, listen how he finishes. So pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel. Now here's what you need to know. Paul understood opposition. He writes this letter from a jail cell, most likely in Rome. And I think when he uses this armor imagery, I just kind of picture him sitting in his jail cell as he's writing this letter to this church. And outside is his guard who has all the full regalia on. And I wonder if he's just, as he's writing this, just thinking, oh, you think you're big and strong. You think you got weapons? I got weapons you don't even know about. (laughs) Because the battle is not against flesh and blood. And God has given us all the resources. We need not be in fear of the battle. We need not live defeated lives because he's given us all that we need and he's given us the strength of prayer so pray pray not as a last resort but as a first line of defense to bow your heads with me make no mistake we are in a struggle and the struggle is for the hearts and souls of men and women and you are in a struggle and it might have to do with with just stuff that's going on in your life right now it is the attack of the enemy and, and that you don't doesn't it just you just have this sense that there's more going on here that because this shouldn't be this hard this shouldn't be shouldn't feel this defeated and it's because the enemy is coming with his lies with his temptation he is coming at you with deception he's coming at you with doubt God has given you the strength to stand firm and I don't know if you are dealing maybe right now if there's a battle within you going on with a bad habit or an addiction or maybe it's maybe it's a relational battle that's going on in your family or in your marriage or something else and and you're tempted to put the blame on the other person or on the situation that's not the enemy and God has given you the weapons and the strength to stand firm and if you're here and you are going through a battle right now and that's exactly how it feels you're going through a struggle right now whatever it might be your greatest weapon is prayer so I would love to pray for you as we close so if you find yourself at that point in your life right now and you say I need the strength that is beyond me would you pray for me Would you just raise your hand? Hold it up for a moment so I can acknowledge you. Look up, catch my eye. Yeah, 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 yes. Yeah, 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 yes. All over, yeah. Wow. It is a struggle sometimes. It really is. But you have the strength. And you got the weapons. Now maybe you're here. And you've been doing life all on your own. And, and you've been feeling so defeated and so discouraged by it. In fact, maybe that's why you came today. You don't even know what it is to be a follower of Jesus Christ. You just know you need a source of strength that is higher and stronger than your own. Today you can take a first step of faith. And it's really the same as what people have already raised their hands to. And it's just admitting, Lord, I am too weak for this. And I have failed enough at this to know I can't do this on my own. I need not only your forgiveness. I need you 
to take my life and strengthen me. And I'm turning over the controls and I'm putting my life in your hands and I'm trusting in your grace, your forgiveness, your strength. And for you, it's a first time step of faith today. Same thing, would you just raise your hand and let me know so I can pray with you and for you as we close. Anybody? All right. Yeah. All right. So here's our prayer. Join me. Lord, here I am. In my weakness, with my faults, with my failures, with my struggles. And I am well aware that I cannot fight these battles on my own. And I've got enough of a track record to prove it. And the enemy just keeps telling me, I'm no good. I have no chance. But your grace is greater. Your power is greater. Your truth is greater than any lie, any deception, any accusation he can make. Today, whether it be for the first time or or renewal of a decision I made long ago in this particular area of my life, whatever it might be, God, what I'm saying right now is I cannot do this on my own. I need your grace. I need what you did on the cross, your victory over death, sin, and hell. I need that in my life. And I am turning over the controls. I'm entrusting my life into your hands. Would you forgive? Would you restore? Would you make me in you and put your spirit in me that I might be strong in your strength? We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California. You made a way for the world.